Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's September 6th, 1651, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Remember when Boris Johnson hid in a milk fridge to escape an interview with Piers Morgan? Well, (laughs) here's a precedent from history when another of our leaders hid himself away from an even more fearsome adversary. In this case, Oliver Cromwell's Roundheads. Because it was on this day in 1651 that the then 21-year-old, then King of Scotland, Charles II, rightly fearing for his life, took refuge in an oak tree disguised as a working-class woodsman. And actually, the way that he got into that disguise does sound particularly hilarious. So he was coming back from the Battle of Worcester, which was sort of the end point of the English Civil War, and his effort to take back the crown after his dad had been beheaded not long ago, Charles I, and getting away from Worcester and making this sort of nighttime dash through the forests, and then he arrives at this old converted priory. He then is put in these clothes to try to look like this woodsman, and taught to walk like a local and talk like a local and apparently he wasn't bad at the talking like a local but he was particularly bad at walking like a local which I find the most bizarre sort of giveaway (laughs) tell that there is you can only imagine this taking place as some kind of montage with the people who are hiding him nodding or shaking their head as he like practices his walk in front of them it's kind of like a reverse my fair lady isn't it so Charles fled Worcester after being completely crushed by the parliamentarian army of Oliver Cromwell the final stage of the battle took place in the city itself including a cavalry charge down the high street to cover Charles's escape from the city. Then Charles and about 60 of his close officers rode through the night to the Boscobel estate, which was owned by the Catholic and Royalist Gifford family. And it was being tenanted by the Pendrel brothers, who were the ones who took Charles in and provided him with his new woodsman's clothes. They told him he had to take off his buff coat decorated with blue ribbons, and he had to trade that in for a coarse shirt and a leather doublet. This must have been really scary, though, because this is the well-known house of a royalist sympathiser so the other side are going to be turning up any moment now that must be you know you you, you know you've got a target on your back which is i guess how he ended up a tree in the garden yeah, so before he ended up there, he actually slept the night in Boscobel House and he got to eat some cheese and posset, apparently. But oh my God, posset used to be absolutely disgusting. Today, it's a sort of lemony, creamy thing. But at the time. I still think it's disgusting. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Wouldn't eat it if I was a starving king. <laughs> it sort of confers sophistication, though, doesn't it? It's a bit British Airways Club, no? Right. So back then, a posset was thick milk and beer. Or some other sort of, you know... Like a beer Sunday. Some other gout-causing yeah. concoction. Yeah. <laughs> and because he was being searched for and because the family were well-known as royalists, he had to spend the next day hiding in a coppice in the rain with just a blanket to sit on. 
that night he did try and attempt to cross into Wales where he had more supporters, but all the crossing points of the seven were heavily guarded and he was forced to turn back, return to Boscobel. By the time he got there, his feet were sore and bleeding. The only positive of all of this was that when he made it back, he found that Colonel William Carlos, who had been one of his officers at the Battle of Worcester, had made it to Boscobel himself. Well, you say the only positive. I mean, unwittingly, he'd created a lot of future destinations for English heritage to monetize, hadn't he? <laughs> Walked around, lots of landmarks in the Boscobel region. But they knew they had to spend a day up the tree in the rain, knowing they were being hunted. And it must have been, I guess it must have been for, for Carlos, it must have been really difficult to know that you're the person who's told the king to sit in the tree. Like, it turned out to be a good plan because he did live. Yeah. But, you know, you, generally with your monarchs, you treat them well, don't you? That's It's, it's orcs, isn't it? <laughs> Go and sit on this branch in the rain. Well, given that he was up there with him, he could have factored that either, you know, we both die and then I don't have to face the consequences or we both survive (laughs) and then I'm the hero. (laughs) Also, he was 21, I guess. So it's a bit different. I feel like a a 50-year-old king would be less inclined to climb the tree. It has to be said, though, Carlos did everything he could to make Charles comfortable. Because I I always pictured, I don't know about you guys, I always pictured Charles being in the oak tree by himself. Mm, mm. You know, the paintings are usually of him just, you know, a cool young king hiding in the oak tree. But Carlos was there the whole time. He even held the king while he napped. The oak was actually isolated. It was on a clearing. Again, I imagine them hiding out in the middle of the woods. But this oak was specifically chosen because they thought that soldiers would search the woods so that they had a view of what was going on around them. So if anyone had come particularly close, you'd think they would have spotted them quite easily. Yeah, in his own recollection, uh, Charles says, while we were in the tree, we saw soldiers going up and down in the thickest of woods searching for persons escaped. We seeing them now and then peeping out of the woods. When we know that story, you know, that the roundhead soldiers were searching the wood and did come there for them and missed them in the tree, because Charles II later, many years later, after the Restoration when he became king, relayed this story to Samuel Pepys. Mm. He would say that, though, wouldn't he? Like, he'd say there was a narrow (laughs) escape. Because otherwise, it's just the indignity of having hidden in a tree all day for no reason. Well, apparently, he told Samuel Pepys and anyone who would listen, he supposedly loved to recount his adventures to anyone within earshot. And he had lots of cool stories about how he acted as well. I think he really enjoyed the part where he was pretending to be the ordinary man. We'll go back to the oak tree, but he did make it down from the oak tree. And in his journey to flee to France, he posed as a servant and he seemed very pleased with the way he did that. Apparently, at one point, he was posing as a servant and a cook ordered him to operate a meat spit. And noticing how poorly he did it, he said to him, what kind of countryman doesn't know how to turn a spit? So thinking on his feet, Charles said that his family was so poor, they rarely tasted meat. And that seemed to convince his interrogators. He was obviously very pleased with his ability to impersonate an ordinary person. Well, the other fascinating aspect of what got recorded was all of the food that he ate while he was doing this daring getaway because he also had a chicken at one point and he helped to fry some mutton collops which are like sort of bacony bits i read that he was very proud of his mutton frying abilities wasn't he yeah he th- again he was <laughs> super pleased with himself uh-huh, i am king and yet i know how to put a piece of meat could in use oil. that yeah. frying pan <laughs> <laughs> it must be like that time that like michael jackson had a go at going to the supermarket like a normal person and mm. rented out a supermarket got a bunch of his friends and got to pretend to be just an ordinary civilian. As to what happened when he got out of the tree, so the soldiers had obviously turned up to look for him and it was now clear that he had to leave Boscobel pretty quickly, which he did. He spent the night in a priest hole, they were used to conceal Catholic priests when they were being persecuted, under the floorboards of the house and then he was escorted by the Pendrel brothers next day to Mosley Hall near Wolverhampton, where for the first time he was able to bathe and sleep in a bed and the family priest, a father John Huddleston, tended to his feet, which were cut to ribbons at this 
this point, supposedly prompting Charles. He was so relieved by these ministrations that he promised liberty for Catholics if he was restored to the throne. And interestingly, he would later be reunited with Father John Huddleston on his deathbed. Charles said he wished to die a Catholic and Huddleston supposedly read him the last rites. Wow. So it took him six weeks from this day to set sail for France during which time he was nearly discovered many times, as you've hinted at. And yet the British public loved this tale more yeah. than anything else. Like they didn't really linger on the journey to France, which must have been just as dramatic. They liked <laughs> this business of the oak tree to the extent that uh, Cowley, one of the big poets of the century, wrote, and I quote, In that fair part where the rich Salop gains, an ample view o'er all the western plains, a grove appears, which Boscobel they name, not known to maps, a grove of scanty fame, and yet henceforth no celebrated shade of all the British groves shall be more glorious made. It's by far the least interesting part of the escape. All of the stuff of him posing as a humble woodsman or a put-upon servant is much more interesting. Right. But partly as a result of the oak tree being, you know, gone on about all the time, by the end of the 1700s, the original oak had been totally destroyed by souvenir hunting tourists who were clipping off little pieces. There is a large oak on the site now that is supposed to be a descendant of the original, but they would say that, wouldn't they? But uh, it's fenced off for protection, so it doesn't suffer the same fate as its predecessor. Oh, all those Charles II lovers that go along trying to get souvenirs now. (laughs) All the royalists with their big wigs turning up to (laughs) clip the tree. Although son of royal oak, as it's now called, was badly damaged during a really violent storm and lost many of its branches in the year 2000. And so they've now actually planted third generation descendants of the royal oak. This is like Rintin Tin all over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, but again, if you ran Boscobel and this was the reason you still had tourists, you'd plant some more oaks, wouldn't you? That's true. English Heritage actually sells royal oak saplings, so you can get yourself (laughs) your very own descendant of the tree in question. I just thought, what a brilliant money spinner. I mean, this, by the way, is the reason why there are so many hundreds of pubs in the UK called the Royal Oak. It's basically just a classy spin on the king up a tree, isn't it? That (laughs) that wouldn't be a good... I mean, it would be a good name for a pub, but it wouldn't have lasted for centuries, I feel. I went and looked at a bunch of the signs because I've never really paid that close attention to what you see on the picture in the pub that you're going into. But many of them do actually show that picture that you're describing, Rebecca, of of, uh, of Charles up the tree. By himself. Usually by himself. Airbrushed out of history, aren't they, the lackeys? Yeah. <laughs> Even though, actually, afterwards, Charles recognised how the Pendrels had helped him, the, the people that owned Boscobel, um, and rewarded them for their involvement in protecting him with, amongst other things, a coat of arms of their own depicting the tree. He was right. like, here, you get to be on the coat of arms, but just not on the pub side. Tomorrow. And the pig was just living its life quietly. It wasn't a dissident from anything. It wasn't a dissident pig. (laughs) Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.